You're listening to DraftKings Network. Yeah, the baby, thank you so much for listening to the Cooligans in the first segment. We talk about the USSF presidential election. It went smooth. All the fans are super happy. <laughs> Nothing to worry about here. We also talk about some of the tweeting that we're doing. We also talk about, was Bobby been tweeting? He tweeted out something a little special. And we just talk about, hey, guys, relax. Everything's going to be fine. Maybe, hopefully. And maybe. And, yeah, I'm totally fine. And I'm emotionally fine right now. <laughs> uh, and in the second segment, we talked to Charles Boehm. He is uh, a writer for MLSsoccer.com. A couple other uh, journalists, uh, j- journalism. Uh, yeah. Other places other you places can see. I'm like, what? Papers. Yeah. You know? It's I, all websites. It's just, newspapers are dying. That's really my main concern. <laughs> the print but, industry is dead. But, but Charles Baum is great. He talks about talk to us about the U, uh, the USSF election, all that and more today on the Cooligans. Hey, this is Alexi Lawless. There is nobody in US soccer that is more important than the Cooligans. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Come on. Huh? Oh, huh? Get over here. You know what, you're doing. what are you doing all the way over yeah, there? Take a seat over here. Come on, relax. Hey, yeah, relax. <laughs> Listen to some comedians talk about soccer. Yeah, we talk a footy. We're funny. <laughs> funny, footy, footy, funny. <laughs> that, and that is our pitch with, that we made to NBC. Yeah, <laughs> that was just that it. <laughs> Um, and they were like, that's just them trying to get on the elevator at the lobby. We weren't able to go in because of security. But that, I think you got to make a good elevator pitch. You know, that's how they buddy. <laughs> we got we cornered somebody else. Hey, hey, what are you doing? Cancel these Olympics. What is that? A lanyard? Huh? <laughs> Olympics. Oh, uh, uh, buddy. Welcome to the Cooligans, everybody. This yeah. is it. Uh, the, the new era, new president. New. <laughs> we, we are. We are different people. They're uh, completely different people. We've all changed. Uh, welcome because to, yes, of a hotly contested <laughs> campaign. <laughs> welcome to the show. Yes, we are here at the Hackensack Meridian Hill State 17. Can you tell? At the top <laughs> of Madison Square Garden. We are yeah. still here. Yes. Uh, we, we are excited. We are happy. We and are we going nowhere. And we're, and we're trying to, you know, throughout as, as difficult as times may be, we try to maintain gully levels. That's the only thing we can promise you. And, that, and, and just so you know that and we're not just the funniest soccer podcast on the planet. Uh, we, we, as we try to maintain our gully levels, we continue to be and will always be the gulliest the, the, soccer podcast. The, 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 the gullometer is yeah. <laughs> yeah. off the try. I mean, I'm going to need a new one. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> the gully scale broke. I know there's just, there's weather people calling no, us. Alexis, as, that was a regular scale. I'm sorry. I didn't oh, uh, clarify with you. Well, <laughs> I thought I should not have stood on it. I should not. <laughs> and fat jokes within the first five minutes. Boom. We're, we're gonna, <laughs> yeah, we're professional comedians. We're starting, we're what do you mean you can't tell? Starting hot. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the show. Uh, yes, uh, on the OG Podcast Network, as we always uh, make sure to, to, to let people know. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and yes, and we are... It, it, like we said, it was slightly. I I don't know how you feel. We haven't really spoken about it. Uh, but you know, yeah, I'm a little. It, it, it was. I'm a. I feel like no. You know, November November eighth, twenty sixteen. A little bit like this election didn't go the way I planned. No, it didn't. But I think it's also like the reverse of what we've seen uh, in some elections. Because if I think if we're being really honest with ourselves, we wanted a lot of change, and I think. That change is going to be slow to come. I don't think it's going to be the way that we sort of want it to be. But I think if we really, really, really 
really ask ourselves these questions. I think uh, in in the general election, in, the, in, in politics, someone who has no capability of doing the job won. And I think in this case, someone we know that can do the job won. Uh, yeah. I don't know that the folks that presented themselves as candidates for change would have actually been able to do the job. Now, I'm not saying that for sure. I don't know anything about Winograd, and I barely know anything about Gans, and that's their fault. Uh, they didn't come on our podcast, okay? And I'm not listening to the other ones. But, 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 but Michael Winograd did come to our comedy show. He did come to our comedy he show. He did not talk to us about no, his he platform. Didn't. In fact, the next day I went to talk to him, and he actually got away from me. But uh, <laughs> we were very funny. I know that. Uh, I, if I'm being honest, I don't know that... Uh, the job could have been done by those folks, uh, but it was. I think what but it felt good. It did. Right? Oh feel, man, it, it felt, felt so good. good. It felt so good to hear them talk about all that nice stuff. Right, all the stuff we want. We want those right. things. Yeah, it was like a nice, comfy blanket, a nice little pro rail blanket. Yeah, but in the end of the day, I think you know I've learned after a lot of life lessons that if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And in this case, I think that's what we sort of had. I think what I love about this is that this kicked over the hornet's nest. You know, the people that are passionate about this aren't just the seven or eight tinfoil hat wearing, loud, abrasive, you know, uh, kind of jerks that yeah. are on Twitter. And I want to say something much worse than jerks. <laughs> but now these are just people with really strong concerns and care for the game in America that want this change. And this change will come. This will happen because these folks are not going away. You know, just uh, yesterday, if you guys are listening to this on Wednesday, just yesterday on Twitter, as I was on, uh, as I was making my way to the studio for the podcast, I was just watching, you know, uh, Crowley who owns Stockade FC and, and, and Robert Powell or uh, Cro Robert Crowley, no, what Crowley. Oh, uh, whatever. It's the same shit. Uh, and Robert Palmer, who owns <laughs> names, and that's also probably not his names. Name. Some guy named Robert who owns <laughs> Jacksonville Armada. They were having a very open and honest conversation about what's to come next in public. Like this, yeah. this seemed like we were in on a meeting and it seems like the idea of whether you want promotion or relegation or something like it, or a much more open system, whatever it is that you want in this game is not going to go away. And I think the, the more this conversation starts to happen and the more the conversation becomes bigger and bigger, there is going to be a way for MLS to sort of become a part of that. And I think it's just going to be like undeniable that you kind of have to be. And it's something that we talked about when we started this podcast, you know, and I went on a different podcast to talk. Um, I forget the name of the podcast, but it was something where like, oh, you're a fan of MLS. So you're anti pro rel and you're part of the problem. And it's like, have you ever realized that maybe you can make some of those changes while being a part of the system as opposed to just fighting the system? Do you ever realize that maybe you can come in and be a, a new voice? Look at all the changes that MLS has gone through in the last three years. U.S. soccer will start to go through all of these changes, too. Those old, stodgy white men who run the system now, mm -hmm. and I know the president, is Portuguese, <laughs> Indian, and Colombian, so I, I goddamn. Was, I was, uh, <laughs> we, I was, no one could fire this guy. As soon as I saw him, I'm just like, this is, uh, he is a walking community college yeah. bus ad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> you want diversity? How about we do it all with one guy? <laughs> just one guy you brings all the diversity. <laughs> Buddy, what you want? You want Asian? You want South Asian? You want South American? I don't American? want to hear any more of this diversity yeah. 
stuff. We got them all in one. Yeah. <laughs> he is, you know, Portuguese, the people who, you know, help create slavery. He's people that were <laughs> slaves. He's everything all in one person, man. He, he brings the world together. He is yeah. a uh, little, he's a baklava cookie yeah, of, uh, of a president. Yeah. <laughs> he is. A very lot of layers. He's a, he's a Coca-Cola <laughs> ad when they want a tax break. You know, <laughs> he's one of those. He's, I mean, look, I don't know what he's going to do. The thing is, I don't think anybody besides the people that voted for him know what he wants to do. And all of us as fans thought like, oh, we're a part of it because we're on Twitter. Turns out we got nothing. We got nothing to do with any of this. <laughs> well, look, and I'm excited today because we are talking to Charles Boehm, uh, a journalist, a writer for MLSsoccer.com. Uh, writes, I mean, covers a lot of stuff. But he's a he he is he knows his stuff, and he is he is a calming a voice. Uh, for for the cool again, he knows what he's doing, uh, <laughs> which is not something that I would say about either myself well, or Christian Polanco. <laughs> we'll talk a, a, a bit more about Cordero in that election. I do want to make sure uh, a huge shout out to uh, Bug Eaters FC. Uh, kind enough, if you're, if you're watching the, the video, we have uh, they sent us a nice care package, hats, shirts. Uh, this is these are dope. This is just I, I mean I I wanna I mean there's a tractor on the hat. I, I I already wanna like you know move to the country, start a pig start a pig farm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this, these, Which, I mean, by the way, eats bodies. Did you know that? <laughs> Pigs eat everything. You know what? Before I uh, thank you, bug eaters again. This is amazing. Stuff. These are dope also, hats. Also, uh, farm to pitch. That's their uh, whole thing. Oh, Love that's it. great. Uh, uh, Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta Miles United, of the South. Miles of the South. MOTS. Ho- hooking us up with a bunch of stickers. Thank you. Uh, it's, so on the, it's on, the, uh, it's on the, uh, the MacBook. Thank you so much for sending that stuff. Jay Riddle, Kelly Francis, uh, Eric Quintana. And there's a fourth person who I, well, I can't We're remember We're never going to say their name. I'm never going to say that. It's another guy. But there's I, somebody else I don't, there. I, can't, I don't know. I can't remember his name. Uh, Whatever. Look, is, we got three of the four. Too many people on the podcast. You know, for Cooligans, three <laughs> of the four is not bad. Not bad, guys. And by the way, we both have laptops in front of us. We have computers in our pockets <laughs> that we can look it up. We're not going to do it. We just can't remember the fourth person's name. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for that. Also, Jimmy Conrad, we want to wish uh, Jimmy Conrad, who's uh, a former U.S. Men's National Team player, current uh, YouTube, YouTube sensation, YouTube National Team player, yeah. uh, great yeah. dude, <laughs> uh, supporter of the Cooligans. He was on the show uh, early on when uh, he did a live show with us early on when nobody uh, cared no, about nobody us. Nobody cared about what we're doing. And, yeah. very, and just like only like two more people care about what we're doing since uh, since that year. Ago. So he's like Beckham. He kind of really <laughs> didn't make much change. But happy birthday, Jimmy yeah. Conrad. Uh, look, if we you, miss you in New York, buddy. If you don't know uh, his work, just look him up on YouTube. He just he's on there. He's just great. Hey, it's he does, the Jimmy Conrad. He does like four or five videos a week. Uh, the dude's for uh, as a, a a major league soccer player. Uh, you know, a national team player to be such a part of the soccer space and yeah. and and also super relatable and fun funny, and funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great, great dude. And we don't toss that funny thing out for just anybody. He absolutely is, and he's got what I think is the most entertaining career mode. Uh, for FIFA videos, yeah. And so I, I did want to get very quickly back to you were talking about the pig farm thing because we were uh, we were hanging out yesterday for a little a little photo shoot. A little late, a little late, a little late. But if you remember last week after the Super Bowl, Alexis seemed to be very perturbed about Justin Timberlake, and, and he was very sure that he was a better dancer than Justin Timberlake. Hundred percent. And I, I was like, like, what? Why are you so certain of this? Why are you so angry? Why, how is this th- there's this much emotion? Well, I discovered <laughs> why there was so much emotion behind but it. I, I want to say, by the way, you I can, didn't understand. Feel free to explain all this. This has nothing to do with the fact 
that I'm a better dancer than him because I'm not I'm not <laughs> okay. that person. But go ahead. Well, okay. Feel I mean, free. It, look, it, it may it, it, now we're in murky waters when it comes to making that statement. I'm right? telling you, it's got nothing to do with it. <laughs> because and by the way, everything I've ever said disproves what I'm saying right now because <laughs> you would assume I'm this person, but be, I'm telling you, it's not because. Last night, we're doing a photo shoot. Alexis's wife is a photographer. Shouts to D Shoots It. Right? Uh, at D Shoots It. Follow her. She's amazing. Uh, kind enough to take some photos. We're hanging out at Scar's Pizza where we did the Tommy Mac video. Good friend of mine, and, Scar's. And, and this comes up again about Justin Timberlake and how Alexis is the better dancer Then I didn't even bring it up. I don't know who brought it up. I thought it was amazing <laughs> that other people now so, are talking about it. Yes. So... And in conversation, uh, D starts talking about how she knows Justin Timberlake. Yeah, <laughs> and she's she's hung out with him, like worked with him in some capacity. Uh, yeah, she was. So she used to be a photographer for bands. Uh, Silver Chair is the one she followed around the country for a okay. while. In sync before they blew up, she followed them around as well. Um, so it was like because she was a teenager at the time, her and her mother would follow the band around. So I wouldn't say she knows Justin Timberlake personally, although they've. Spoken on the phone and stuff. I've spoken oh, on the I phone mean, with him. Look, uh, now, I mean, you don't even... You, you, what I'm saying like is very, she knew the band. She knew the band. I can't even call them a band. There are a bunch like of dudes lip-syncing. A, of a, a bunch of saying. dudes lip-syncing. That's not a band. But she knew the group. So she knew them all. So she, so she shows me a photo of her and Justin Timberlake. Yeah, from like 1998. Curly hair, Justin. Antic, like Justin. Like bleach blonde. Ba, 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 Justin. You yeah, know, even before, like, before they blew yes. up here. Yeah. And uh, as soon as I see this photo, I'm like... Well, yeah, you think case here closed. We, here we go. This all makes sense. But this, why does that this discount just, how good I dance? <laughs> this is just a jealous husband who is out for who who's out for revenge for any any interaction that Justin Timberlake had with his wife, who the is, only who then girlfriend or then just a person you did not know. You yeah, didn't know her at the time. I didn't know her at the time. And uh, but now that this this uh, relationship uh, uh, comes to light. All of a sudden, you're a better dancer than Justin Timberlake. I just want to say, what a real shame that she knew him. Because it <laughs> takes away from the fact that I'm a better dancer than him. This is a real shame, and I am so sorry uh, that this, this has sort of tainted how well I dance. Because I don't want that to be the case. I don't care that she knew Justin Timberlake. Look, at the end of the day, she married me. I beat Justin Timberlake. And they never dated or anything. They took one photo together. Come on. Well, that's enough uh, to, to spark, I think. Look, if that photo happened a couple weeks ago, I'd be furious. <laughs> that photo happened before I met her. What am I supposed to do? All I want you to know is, regardless of who my wife... By the way, I'm probably a better dancer than everyone my wife ever met. I, just, I am that I, good of a dancer. I don't know. Did she ever meet, I don't know, someone who's a better... I can't think of a better I dancer just wanna, now. But... I just want to be clear that if you ever do have a dance battle with Justin, it's, it, it is a dance battle, not an actual battle. You're not actually fighting each other. Oh, you, you want me to not hurt him? <laughs> <don't>. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm sure. He didn't do anything. I'm pretty sure his security <laughs> would stop that from happening. One photo, okay? Yeah. So just tone it down, buddy. And I'm happy for him that he got a photo <laughs> with my wife. Congratulations. We gotta Justin we gotta Taylor. post this photo. I wonder uh, maybe D will post it. She probably won't. She, oh, it's so nah. great. <laughs> She's probably gonna be upset you brought this up, actually. <laughs> no, it's it, it's up Did you tell her you were gonna bring this up? No, I okay, mean yeah, but she's it, probably gonna be upset you brought it that up. That she knows Justin Timberlake. I mean, that's you know, that's that she doesn't make it public about, you know, her she used to be a photographer and stuff for bands and stuff. This is uh, th that's crossing a line. This is no. I'm you saying it's a podcast. It's just she's telling friends, and you're like, oh, I need to, I need to mention this to I'm, all of our fans. I'm making sure people know that you're insane and I'm jealous. not insane. <laughs> I may be all furious. those things, but I'm also a better dancer that, than Justin Timberlake. <laughs> 
that is how you choose to to get your anger out towards Justin Timberlake that you could beat him in a dance battle. That's I don't all, think that's, that's I don't think that's what it is, man. Yeah, I'm well, telling you, it's I'm, not. I'm very sure that's what it is. Uh, now back to Carlos Codero. Yeah. I thought you were gonna bring up pig farming. I'm like, why? Is no, he that's a, that reminded me of that. Uh, yeah. Your your jealous rage. Someone uh, else. I'm a better dancer than <laughs> Carlos Cordero uh, wins the presidency. Let's uh, let me ask you because yeah. um, you seem to be a bit more upset online. I think I just expected that uh, you know a fan uh, fan first outcome would not have happened. So how did you feel? You were doing a lot of the live tweeting. I was not able to do as much. Well, how did you feel um, watching the results come through? Because I was flabbergasted that Kathy Carter was not the number one, even though she was a little bit further away. I mean, it's not that far, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, 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 I wasn't su surprised by the result. I mean, the final result ended up being uh, Carlos Rodero, 68% and then yeah. Kathy Carter got 10.6 uh, matching Kyle Martino. Just, she was just uh, shouts to Kyle Martino. That's pretty good. I mean, he got up there, uh, but in the, the first round, it was Cordero up top and then Kathy Carter next. Uh, and, who was uh, who was third? I think it was Winaldo was third. Winaldo, yeah, Winaldo was actually beating uh, Martino. Martino, yeah, which I think was a big surprise for a lot of people too. So no, I'm not necessarily. Look, I kind of expected this uh, result. I think it would have taken quite a lot for for a, a change candidate and uh, for a change candidate to win. But as soon as they, I think it was the day before or two days before when they did uh, like all the. The gang of six. Yeah, that they that should like all come together. Yes, thing that never actually happened. But as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh boy, they this, <laughs> they do not have a chance. There's no reason to do this. Like, yeah. I now now it's like now they're floundering, uh, and they were just trying they're to grasping at straws. Yeah, and they're trying to see what they could conjure uh, if they can conjure the votes up. But as soon as you see that, you sent you get a sense that the outsiders really don't understand how it works inside. It doesn't. And that's the thing about like, I think the way the political system is, is set up is that it's not set up, especially not in a situation like this. It's not set up for someone to just like you and I can't run together and expect to win in four years. Maybe this might be something we should okay. do. Yeah, I mean, the platform begins right <laughs> yeah. now. The uh, start, <laughs> start making those picket signs. We're my announcing. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there's a, it's set up so that you have to have a lot of experience and you have to be a part of it. And the people that vote are sort of decision makers and you have to know those decision makers and they have to trust you. This isn't a general ballot. This isn't something that you could do amongst the public. If it was the public who voted, if, if this thing was a Twitter poll, Carlos Cordero would have been nowhere near it. Kathy Carter might not have won. Oh, no, it, it wouldn't have been on the ballot. Yeah. No, because no, the. Imagine Steve Gans wins that one. It's like the guy who just. Uh, just a sweat, sweaty man. Just the sweatiest, <laughs> yeah. sweaty man on, yeah. <laughs> during during interviews. They had, a, they had to wipe down the, the podium after his five minute speech. He, it's like when you go to the uh, to the gym and uh, you have to carry a towel and wipe wipe the seat after huh? you're done. Uh -huh. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's like the rules in the gym when you sweat too much. You have to like wipe down the equipment that you just used. I didn't know there was a place to sit down at the gym. That seems kind of nice. <laughs> Sweating? What's that? <laughs> um, Is there an area where you can have high blood pressure at the gym? <laughs> no, look. Look, I know a lot of people are, are probably bummed out. Uh, it, this shouldn't sway your... Look, if it does, if it does sway your support for soccer or major league soccer or whatever, then whatever, that's on you, man. Like, well, there's nothing we can do about that. But I think it requires a little too much hypocrisy to easily support other American sports that 
work the way Major League Soccer does, which is not like the rest of the world, uh, how the how soccer runs right. in the rest of the world. And look, if you support the NFL, you support the NBA, you support other, it's like you're then you you should be arguing for pro rel for those things as well. Yeah, you know it's just like it's it's a so many hoops to jump through to to justify this decision. It's and and what I what I got from. The, the vote and and I'm learning as I'm learning like everyone else is learning I don't know how many people listening actually watched the election I hope you did it, it it's it's for your own like growth and education right but the, the the disconnect between the fans and and the voters is is like whatever it's it's two different worlds but the main thing is that the 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 people who are involved in soccer and have been involved with it for a long time they've done a lot to get it to where it is yeah. i mean it, i mean you you know we, we can't just look at mls as the only thing that is um the, the 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 sort of litmus test or that or that's the that that's the bar they MLS is where it is because of whatever of like yeah the the expansion fees and right. and, and all the other stuff like they, they it, it's it is a group of people who are trying to survive but also want the sport the sport to thrive yeah and they are they somewhat self interested do they want some money for themselves do they want some security some jobs you kind of you understand it from the sense of like where where soccer was twenty years ago, thirty years right, ago right, in the right, U.S. Right. They've gone so they've done so so much, and then then it's easy to to come in, you know, when whatever when Atlanta United comes in or when NYCFC comes in or when you know yeah. Toronto FC comes in seven eight years ago, and then be like, we need pro rel. Like it's like, yo, but you you didn't do any of the work to get to where you are now, so that you can even ask. For pro rel and yeah. it, and it be even like a feasible thing. Yeah, I mean, just you know, think of the people that work at Bing. You know, <laughs> they're like, we try to do something nice, but nobody <laughs> wants to use what we're doing, and now we go away. And you know, just think of like what that last day at Bing was like. I don't know if Bing's still around. I think Bing's still around. Is it? We'll I don't try. know. Yeah, I don't know. We should Bing that and see if it's a. Um, but think of it like. Here's the thing. I think I think what's most important is look. We're MLS fans. Uh, we love uh, the league. We love what's happening in the league. We love the changes. Do we think it's absolutely perfect? Then that's it. We don't have to make any more changes. A hundred percent not. Of course. And not. you know, we've we've had people that work at MLS ask us, "Hey, why do you go to the press conferences and ask questions? You're comedians. Is that really a good use of your time?" And yeah, because we're not just comedians. We're also fans. Yeah. And we're fans that actually have now a bit more access than than a general fan. So we kind of want to. We're like, hey, let me ask a question that I think other people want to know the answer to, which seems not to get not to get answered here or not to get asked. And what what we're left with is sort of this feeling that like, look, things are going to happen. Things are going to change. I would say I think one change that can happen is if you really want there to be promotion and relegation and you really believe that that's going to benefit the owners and create more money in the sport, try to convince those owners. Go. I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't yeah. know how you're going to do it, but go do it. But it, and, and it will require uh, the, the, the regular fan to really talk about this stuff. And, and a lot of people don't know. Uh, look, a lot of people don't know. Uh, about like what you know how you know other countries run their soccer and like right. how the federations are and like I, I don't know I don't claim to know everything but it does require learning about it and talking to other talking to your friends about it really believing that this is the way it should be and and changing the culture right so uh, I, it'll require everyone's effort it's not just the people at the top it's not that they don't care 
about the fan because they need the fan is a consumer and they and they need the fan so right. they, they can't just piss them off entirely but there's not enough you're if, if even if they say we're never doing promotion relegation you're not even pissing off that many people yeah no so it's it's not enough to to make any real real change because that they want stability we're still in in soccer still in its infancy in this country and that is their focus and they should be commended for installing that stability but it's almost like the the uh, this is a star wars reference you do not watch you don't care about this I'll stuff I'll just take a nap while you but go ahead in, and say in, this in the in the, be- in the in the prequel right when the early episode 1 and 2 like the the empire became the empire because people put their trust in they wa- they, they were there was a comfort in in what the, that security and stability brought so that that's why they they sort of when it was the republic, but then it became an empire and all this other stuff. So that that's sort of what's happening. We're like, we we can't let the, the they can't have all the reins. They can't do whatever they want. We have to be at a place where they're, they're sort of we're checking them a little bit. And as the fan, as the consumer, we have we have a voice to say that stuff. But it requires a, a much more direct conversation with with people in U.S. soccer with owners. With uh, uh, just the damn security guard at the, at the stadium, I don't know. Everybody, everybody, everybody. should know. You selling hot dogs? You're involved now. <laughs> All right, <laughs> stick a uh, stick a pro rail sticker right on their forehead or whatever. Yeah. I mean, look, it's not that that's the most important thing, but it, it it's really about growing the culture and the belief for a lot of people is that uh, opening up the system. Look, we have a bug eaters uh, uh, FC gear right in front of us. Like they, they for them for the lower levels to survive, and that's really all they're about. It's about survival, and the essentially the one percent, which is essentially like the soccer federation and MLS, sure. is focusing on keeping the the top alive and surviving. But it's ignoring a little bit of the lower levels, so we can't. We it can't. Which go is th- kind of understandable because that's not really their job is to support yeah. other teams. But that's but, where the fans come in, and and it's a, and it's about explaining that culture because the owners they don't. I don't think they necessarily care about like the culture of soccer. They want to make money. Yeah, look, Robert Kraft doesn't give a shit about soccer. <laughs> he doesn't. It's it's plain as day. Yeah. You know, people have told us that 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 know what's happening on the inside. He just doesn't give a shit. It's not a part of his life. He doesn't get it. The, for a lot of these NFL owners, it's a hedging of their bet. If the NFL concussion thing goes bad, at least they got this other sport to play in their stadiums. That's pretty much it, okay? Yeah. So- if you want change, go show them that they're losing money by not doing those other things. Go create a great culture like they're doing at Detroit City, like they're doing at Sacramento, like they're doing at Cincinnati. Go create those cultures. Go create those um, situations where people have to look and go, why, why isn't that happening here? Yeah. And why am I not putting my money in that? And they will go to it. They you go can- They go to money. If you could go to a damn, you know, Division II college lacrosse game, you can go see professional soccer. Who is doing that? (laughs) Don't do that. There's people. I don't know why they do it, but they do. Yeah. Um, Go see Atlantic City FC. Go see Bug Eaters FC. Go see Stockade FC. Go see, you know, Nashville SC for one more year. Um, What are other lower level teams? Uh, Minnesota United, you know. Go go see all these teams. Philadelphia Union. They need your help. Okay. So, um, so look, we don't have too much time. We're going to get to our conversation with uh, Charles Baum in one second. Uh, I do uh, just a couple things 
to I, I do 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 want to mention this week, but we'll get into it more next week when we have a little bit more time. Yamil Assad, officially a DC United player, yeah, uh, uh, officially guaranteeing Atlanta United will never defeat that team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much, uh, and uh, only six hundred thousand dollars in uh, Tam Gam and and other stuff. So you know, pretty good deal. Yeah, and and uh, Atlanta United got a lot out of it as well. So uh, yeah, it, it was a good deal overall. It's a shame that that the team's first goal scorer ever. Uh, is gone after after one year. Imagine he scores the first goal at DC United's first stadium. This might be his thing. <laughs> just, imagine he scores the same exact goal, does the same exact celebration, knee side to just, uh, to face plant. He just that's all he does is bust cherries, <laughs> and then uh, and, okay. lands, and then lands face first in the grass. Yeah, do you bust cherries or pop cherries? Because the way you said it sounded way more. I wasn't sure sinister. which one was dirtier, <laughs> so I went with bust. But yeah, pop cherries is what I. Mean. Uh, another thing: make sure you follow us on Twitter. Because we we uh, Alexis just went off yesterday on a on a picture. Uh, well, it's on the screen right Graham now. Zuzzi. Graham Zuzzi. Graham Zuzzi. Yeah. Uh, Graham Zuzzi. Uh, there was a photo of him looking like the, he just got back from a hacky sack competition. <laughs> a mega I mean, mega hipster. Just yeah. uh, uh, just like literally right out of the commune. Yeah. Uh, and and Alexis kind of went nuts uh, tweeting about it. He, he you can I mean in the tweets you sort of sense this uh, real hatred. I feel like you hate hipsters as much as you hate Justin Timberlake. Oh no, I don't dancing. hate hipsters. I think I hate <laughs> trustafarians, which is a a quote. I'll give that to my buddy uh, Ryan Johnson who came up with that. Uh, just trust fund uh, babies who are living in our neighborhoods and pretending they're poor. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And finally, uh, Bobby Boswell. Happy retirement, Bobby. Happy retirement, man. It's uh, we're sad to see you leave the game. We yeah. are, but we're happy we got to you know know you as well as we did. And, thank and you now for you doing have no excuse for no. not coming and being on the show there's for an a, entire episode. There's a space for you right here, right here, young man. Uh, Get over here, uh, Bobby Boswell. Uh, after leaving Atlanta United, uh, announces if you don't know, Bobby Boswell, uh, MLS veteran, uh, DC United, DC Houston Dynamo, uh, Houston Dynamo, and, and uh, Atlanta United for one year. Now moving back to Houston. And he says, yes, uh, where he's going to live with his wife and his family. Not that hard to fly out here from Houston. Continental's hub <laughs> is also Newark. Also, so. we will not cover that flight. No, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. But I feel like you're going to come up here for a reason. So make yeah. part of that trip to come visit the Cooligans, please. Exactly. So uh, next week, we'll uh, we'll have some more fun stuff that we'll be talking uh, about uh, Bobby. And um, uh, so that's it. Yeah. Uh, so we're well, no, that's get, not it. We're going to get yeah, to our we're interview. We're going to get to our interview with Charles uh, Baum. Uh, Great journalist, come again, comforting, comforting man, just a comforting voice in soccer, and I'm glad we got to talk to him. And have Absolutely, him on the show. and we're gonna have a special episode this week, so it's not this is not all the cool games you're getting this week. Yeah, so why don't you listen to that? Oh, thank you so much for listening to The Cooligans. We just want to break in real quick to talk about our sponsor, Mike's Hot Honey. We keep it with us at all times, and you should do the same thing. Go to Mike'sHotHoney.com. Use the code HOTCOOLIGANS. Uh, you're probably thinking that already just looking at us, That's right? H-O-T-C-O-O-L-I-G-A-N-S. If you do that, you're going to get 20% off. You're not just going to get 20% off just this little packet of hot honey. Uh, you're going to get it off your entire order. That's right. Everything you purchase on the website, if you put in Hot Cooligans, you're going to get 20% off. Think of a better gift for your significant other for Valentine's Day. Oh, that's right. Also, happy yeah. Valentine's Day, everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's happening. <laughs> but think about this, right? 
she or he comes home, and the first thing you do is just start rubbing Mike's hot honey all over their private parts. <laughs> that's exactly what you should be doing. And you that's can think what, to yourself. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> and you can think to yourself, man, I got 20% off this stuff. I should use 20% more. That, or you can put it on pizza. You can put it in your drinks. You can put it on a lot of your food. I found out recently that it goes amazing on arroz con pollo. It oh, is, my and, God. Uh, also, I, I didn't even realize you could put it on uh, in your tea, which is, uh, that sounds delicious. Oh, it's delicious. so good in your tea. And, uh, uh, salads and ice cream. Oh, buddy, you can put it on anything. So, including your significant <laughs> other. So, do whatever you want with it. Go to mikesathoney.com. Mike's going to be so upset about this. Go to mikesathoney.com, put in hot cooligans, get yourself 20% off. Hi, this is Mike Coscarelli from Anxiety Now. And Andrea Allen from the Hot Mess Comedy Hour. We just launched the brand new OG Podcast Network and wanted to let you know that you can hear ours and other great shows by going to ogpodcastnetwork.com. Also, be sure to follow the network on social media to keep up to date with new shows, videos, and live events. That's at OG Podcasts on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Or you can subscribe to your favorite OG podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, baby, we're back. We are back. Uh, and this uh, this is exciting. And also, uh, I don't know whether to be depressed. Or Worrisome? I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like uh, our, our next guest is on the show to make me feel better. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Nothing you know, more. <laughs> it's so funny. Like It feels like this is the third time we're doing something similar to this, where something <laughs> happens, we all have a lot of hope, and then nothing really happens. But um, <laughs> Personally, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe this wasn't the potential worst outcome for a lot of the fans, but there's also this sense of not really knowing that sure. seems to go hand in hand with being a U.S. soccer fan, <laughs> an American soccer fan. And who do we bring on to stop the bleeding and to make us all feel good again is someone who has created more questions than I had before. <laughs> But uh, I mean, you could you could read this gentleman's writing all over the place. Uh, you know, he's MLS soccer, four four two USA, US soccer player, soccer wire, all over, and he's on Twitter, and he's our friend, whether he knows it or not. Ladies and gentlemen, unless you're driving, put your hands together for Charles Bohm, everybody. Hey, Charlie, what's up? Hey guys, I'm I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I'm not gonna make you feel any better. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know, here's the thing, and and specifically, we're talking about the le the election for U.S. Uh, soccer uh, presidency. There was a lot of candidates, a lot of them that I didn't take seriously. One in particular went up and gave a five minute speech that I was like, "Yo, hold up, maybe I do could, uh, take this person a bit more seriously." And it seems like the one person that no one was really – well, one of the two, because no one was talking about Steve Gans. But uh, the one one of the two people no one was really mentioning kind of surprised everybody and – or maybe not everybody, maybe just myself and Christian, but – and took the presidency. Give us a little bit about what it was like to be in the room and sort of the lead-up to uh, the, the election itself and then watching Carlos Cordero win. Well, you guys know that internet meme of uh, you versus the one that she told you not to worry about? <laughs> yes. Yeah, this, this election was kind of like a, a bizarre, terrifying manifestation of that in real life. Because Carlos Cordero was, was definitely the one that a lot of people were not all that worried about. Uh, and uh, but, but people on the inside, I think probably, who, who knew the system a little bit better, know the system, um, were, were picking him as a, a very real kind of dark horse contender and I had a couple people predict this exact outcome to me in the in the days leading up to the election kind of who've seen this stuff before and uh it's it's not always the the swiftest or the strongest or the sexiest but the one that uh that that does the work that knows the landscape and certainly he proved to be that um Cordero is uh 
interesting character, definitely an operator type of guy. And, uh, um, I think he's, uh, I think he did, he did some very good work to, to get to this spot. It's the second, um, big election in the Federation he's won in the last two years. Cause remember he, he won the vice presidential race, which was also a contested race two years ago. Uh, and, uh, and as it turns out, you know, he kind of gave people a middle option between, um, change, blow it all up, burn it all down. And, uh, you know, what people kind of, the, the meaning that people piled on top of Kathy Carter was, you know, more of the same personified, which is not totally fair to her, but, um, but, you know, Cordero kind of plotted the, the course that turned out to be the best one. Well, so how is the, and, and I'm speaking as a, I am not, I am not a soccer expert. Okay. I am not, I, I am not a Charles Boehm. Right. So <laughs> how, how is it that, so I, if I'm speaking as, as a fan, how is it that the, and let's just say the extreme of soccer Twitter, which is, we know, uh, the vitriol and the craziness that could exist there. And then the reality of what the voters want, what U S soccer voters kind of need or demand, how is how are we that far apart that like that soccer Twitter and soccer social media was like, how in the world did this guy win? Well, there's two, there's a, there's a couple, there's several different angles to this. I'll start with two that struck out, struck out most to me. Um, the first is age. So, you know, we think about, we hear all the talk all the time about the demographics of American soccer and how young, how diverse, um, how dynamic that the, the demographic is of the typical soccer player or fans, the people that the advertisers want, you know, um, many of them are multilingual. Many of them are uh, of color, particularly Latino. Um, and like I said, very, very young. And, uh, and this demographic of this election was people who've been in these, uh, you know, a lot of grassroots organizations or, um, or big, sort of uh, administrative organizations for a long time, you know, to get up to the stature of being a delegate, you, you know, you put in your work and a lot of it volunteer. So it was definitely an older demographic. And uh, in general, I would say kind of like, um, you know, a wider demographic and, and, and more conservative, I think, inevitably as a result, not so much in political terms, which perhaps, but in, in the sense of their more measured approach uh, to things and their deeper understanding of Kind of the the hierarchy and the the structures of how the, the game is managed and and administrated in this country. So I think those are the you know two big things there, and and uh, and just the level of commitment, I guess, or um, stake in the game, or uh, sorry, skin in the game that these people have is is more than uh, a fan who's maybe hasn't been immersed in this sport uh, for for decades. So many people seem to be upset with the results of the election and they feel that their voices aren't being heard. If this was a political election, um, you know, people would get uh, involved in grassroots politics or local level politics. What is there something that, you know, that you would suggest to the fans that are angry about what's happening that they could do besides, oh, I don't know, starting their own soccer team, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you could do that for sure. There's people that are doing that right now. Uh, but th- there's there's a lot of different ways to get involved, and and uh, there's a lot of need. You know, there's the um, the great thing, and and also a, the problematic thing about large swaths of the American soccer landscape is that it's volunteer run uh, or volunteer driven. You know, like it, ha- it, it there's there's not enough money flushing around the system, even though there is a lot in certain parts um, for there to be tons of jobs. Maybe the way in, on the level of a more mature uh, soccer culture, but there's definitely a need for volunteers. There's a need for people to do everything from, you know, go to meetings and like 
help out with administrative stuff or, um, uh, or go coach, you know, go work at the grassroots in whatever way that you most enjoy or feel like you can do the most uh, help. I mean, there's a chronic coaching shortage in this country and, and a shortage of coaching education. There's a chronic referee shortage uh, and a need for more and better referees. I mean, you name it, whether you want to work with kids or go do adult stuff, there's plenty of ways that you can get involved if, if you're ready to donate your time. It, it's just... Isn't it crazy? It is, it is interesting. It, it's just like, it, it's difficult to detach the emotional aspect of it because the, it seems like why, and I, and I know that I'm influenced as well by, by other people, by, by, you know, the insane pro-rel truthers or whatever, that to some degree, there's like, oh, it would be nice if our, if the soccer landscape in the U.S. would be like, it, you know, the, the way it is in the rest of the world, if... U.S. soccer would get out of its own way, but it seems like that's not, it's more complicated than that. It, it's not just uh, a, a, a select group of people being like, you know what, I'm not in the mood to do pro rail right now. Yeah. It's really, especially with the pick of Cordero, it, it, and and hearing uh, people from the Athletes Council, which is all, all this is new to me. I'm like, I'm learning as we go along. I'm like, the Athletes Council speaking so highly of Cordero fe feels not like a stab in the back necessarily because I don't know exactly what's going on, but it feels like wouldn't the players uh, kind of side with the fan as well. But that, that, that doesn't seem like that's the case. Correct. Or, or wait, was this or to counter your point was the, was the election of Carlos Cordero, a let's get the world cup for 2026. Let's make sure we got that in the bag because that was obviously a big boon for the U S yeah. in 94. And then we'll figure everything else after that. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's a very real risk, in my opinion, of Cordero, um, who's, you know, one of the biggest things he's brought to the table for the Federation since getting involved years ago now as an independent director was his um, his Rolodex, kind of his inter international context uh, from his very lucrative and very successful career with Goldman Sachs uh, and others. And so he's it's an, it's natural for him to gravitate towards the World Cup bid, but I actually hope he, he lets uh, Sunil kind of take that across the line because Sunil's already spending most of his time on that and is the bid, the bid committee chair um, and and a smart delegator, in my opinion at least, would, um, you know, would allow Sunil to get that thing done because um, he, he can focus on it now. Um, but it's, uh, I think there's definitely more, more pressing stuff. Um, and in terms of the pro-rel uh, angle, I mean, um, uh, let me say this, like, you know, I'm sympathetic to the idea uh, philosophically of a, of a more open system, uh, unleashing some potential and, and allowing more people in the game, allowing, uh, allowing for more diversity and broad-based participation. But it's just like anything else. It's, there's, there's an unsexy amount of work and type of work that has to go into that to build consensus, to get more people talking about it, make it an even bigger issue. I mean, Bodur uh, was one of the guys, journalists covering the, the event along with me and has done some of the best work on this whole topic. Um, and he's the only one that I can recall um, having brought up the issue uh, to, in the media scrum to, with the, the candidates and the availability with the candidates after the election. And he asked Carlos Cordero, I mean, uh, Carlos Bocanegra, excuse me. So, like, did pro, was pro-rel a topic? Was it a factor for the choice of the athlete council? And he said, no, it didn't come up. I mean, the topic didn't even come up. And you can say that's a betrayal or whatever by the players, but that tells you that they had a list of shit that they were trying to excuse me, trying to, uh, no. to deal with and had priorities and were trying, you know, had to, had to think about. 
and in, in eight hours of in-person meetings on Friday and countless other hours of conference calls in the days and weeks leading up to this election, that wasn't necessarily at the top of their list. Now, who, who benefits more from pro relevant players? Not, not too many, at least in general terms. So, um, so you, you know, the, 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 I, I have to give credit, actually, to guys like Dennis Crowley and, and tons of other people out there who have made the issue uh, an urgent one, at least in segments of American soccer. It, it's far more of a conversation, and it's held, uh, taken far more seriously now than it was just a few years ago. Uh, and, you know, for that, there, there are uh, activists that deserve some credit for that. The next step is, you know, climbing into the castle sort of or getting in, you know, institutional support, building momentum for that idea, showing um, in, in very pragmatic terms and in very broad-based terminology and argument uh, and, you know, lobbying that, that this issue should matter to more of the, of the community than it does now. The um the thing speaking of the athletes and especially the athletic council or the athlete council, which Christian and I had no idea what it was. It came up a lot and we had to Google a lot of it and we still don't know what it is. But the one thing that um struck me as as odd is that everyone seemed very surprised that they voted as a block and everyone seems to have so many conspiracy theories now as to why that is. Uh, you brought it up as the first part of your article or the first part of your questions of your article on SoccerWire, which I would ask everyone to go read because it's absolutely amazing. But why do you think it's so significant that they voted as a block? And is that them showing – was that a sign that they they can flex their muscle moving forward and that they are going to become more important? Or was just a – or was it just a, a circumstantial thing? So it's, I do have to start by saying it's not necessarily a new phenomenon because the athlete council has voted as the block in the past, uh, and and the reason they do it is that it maximizes their influence. Uh, you know, their federal law mandates 20% of the vote in elections like this, in organizations like this in the United States, goes to, to the athletes, and uh, and they, you know, I think that there's this perception that some of them didn't take it seriously because they didn't show up, uh, and 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 we can get into the, the the finer details of that. There is there are some problematic elements to, to the fact that, that only 12 of 20 were there. But um, the athletes uh, who were there emphasized that they had the, the broadest um, levels of participation among the council they've ever had. They had the best turnout and physical attendance that they've ever had. Um, and, of course, once they decided to vote as a block, it, it could have been one of them. It could have been 20 of them. They, they were, their vote was going to add up to 20 percent no matter what. But they definitely did. Um, the, first, the first aspect was voting as a block for Cordero prevented – uh, Carter from winning on the first uh, go around, the first ballot, um, and then although it, it, technically it was Don Garber and MLS who switched support from Carter to Cordero to actually end it and, and uh, create a winner, a majority vote um, after the or in the third round of voting. Uh, but the athletes were the ones that um, you know that really effectively in the most primordial kind of way de determined the election. And if you had that kind, of, that kind of power like that as a group, uh, a fairly light, relatively like-minded group within the, the this organization, you would probably see the benefits of that too. You know, they are they now are in a position of influence over the the, the president. They they are a, um, as united and as loud a voice as they could probably ask for um, in everything that the federation does now. And if Cordero doesn't meet their expectations um, or work with them or make progress in their eyes, then, then they'll probably go in a different direction and maybe help beat him in four years. Yeah, it, it was what I, it, from that block vote, I got the sense, and, and, the, the, and maybe it was like, not necessarily a slap in the face, but this is this hard realization that uh, when it comes to, uh, 
I think the focus of of the voters is really just about uh, stability and that and and the and including the players. So uh, there's a lot of people upset about the choices that U.S. soccer makes, but a lot of those choices are being made by people that just kind of want to make sure that they have a job, that they have that they can make a living in soccer, which is a respectable thing. And I think it should there should be some light shown on that. Because it, I, I think the fear is that if we go in, if we blow everything up and go in the 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 wild idea direction, is that it could fall apart, and we and then we don't have jobs anymore. Yeah, I mean that's that's certainly something that Hope Solo uh, kind of she made that allegation in significant uh, length and detail before and after the election. That some and uh, and powerful you know agencies. Uh, and agents can um, can influence the athlete council, uh, and and there there's certainly some things to explore here, and it should be in the spotlight and discussed that how influence kind of um, is spread out and and exerts itself uh, in different directions and in different ways, both in in, the, in soccer in general in this country and specifically in power dynamics like an election. Um, unfortunately, though, you, you, again, you're going to have to broaden the uh, the conversation. And the list of allegations uh, to be uh, to to be made and and um, I guess internalized by more people. Hope Solo is uh, a fascinating character, and she's um, bold and strong and brave. And but she's she's not necessarily perceived as an entirely uh, unobjective, uh, objective, unattached voice of her own. She's not necessarily a voice that has widespread credibility. So. It needs to be more than a than a small, you know, one candidate or a couple of candidates and a relatively small percentage of the conversation and the people in it. You know, it's, you, you we've got to get more detail, and you know, maybe that comes down to uh, to people in the media like myself um, digging up more dirt. But but there's also uh, you know, a, I guess a broadening of that movement that has to take place. At the end of the day, um, stakeholders, people who have invested anything, whether it's time, money, their careers. Whatever it is, yeah, they're, they're probably going to have a, a stake in the, the current system, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they love everything about the current system. I mean, it's it's funny, like you know, it, feel, it feels like you know the CBA going back a few years ago, some incremental steps forward. It seems like we're constantly making incremental steps forward. And I think Christian brings up how there's a large a section of the fan base, or at least a very vocal section of the fan base, that are that, that are angry at us for yeah, some reason. Well, they're always mad at us because they think <laughs> we're stool pigeons. Yeah, but, we're like we're on. We agree with you. Yeah, and, and we're so talking about how we agree with you. But <laughs> uh, you know, they want radical change, and that just doesn't seem like the kind of thing that happens. But I know that from all of the talk that the fans have been saying on Twitter and just everything we heard leading up to the race, leading up to the election was how Kathy Carter was, you know, sort of the one that uh, handpicked to keep everything going the way it was and no change at all would happen. Um, looking at it from my perspective, which I, we talk about this a lot on the podcast. I don't know if you listen, I would be one of the most corrupt individuals if I was a president of anything. Um, I would accept any and all bribes. And whenever I see something happening, my mind first thinks, what's the hustle here? You know, yeah. like, is this a good hustle? And after watching all this, and you mentioned MLS switching their vote, Don Garber switching the vote to Chris Cordero. A lot of fans are asking the same Carter, thing I am. Oh, I'm sorry, to Carter, uh, from Carter to Cordero. A lot of fans are asking the same thing I am. Was Carter put in to distract us away from Cordero so that Cordero could go out and do his bidding and go get the job done and everyone could sort of point their anger and hatred at Carter, who kind of 
popped up for no reason, you know, kind of inconspicuously and can kind of go away and not really, she's not part of the public sort of spec of the public world in soccer. She can go back to doing her job and not have to worry about what people think about her. You bring this up a little bit in your article. What do you feel about that? Well, I think there's, and I've had, I've had strong cases made to me in both directions here. Um, after the piece came out, I had some, some smart people who are very familiar with this, uh, this whole situation pushed back really hard on it that and and um, really questioned the idea that Carter would uh, would either voluntarily uh, or unwittingly uh, put herself through what she's gone to simply to uh, to ensure that Cordero uh, or those behind Cordero you know got their way. Uh, so it's I, I think we need to have some more proof here and, and we need to uh, to not throw things around uh, without founding or grounding, but. Um, it is whether it was a uh, grand conspiracy or simply uh, an interesting sort of uh, um, scenario that unfolded in terms of the dynamics of the race. Um, the, the 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 eventual outcome certainly Carter's presence in the race helped Cordero. I think um, although you can say she almost beat him, I mean she was only she was right behind him on the first ballot. That's yeah, true. Um, but but there was there definitely having two establishment candidates. Uh, in the race um, really, really uh, affected the dynamics of it and how kind of perceptions uh, and power, uh, you know, kind of float around. So, um, so I don't know, again, that's one of those questions I may not, you know, we may never be able to answer. Um, I do think we have to, to, to realize that, that um, Kathy Carter really got her, her name dragged through the mud. Um, she, um, she walked away from a very um, profitable job that she had done for a long time. She'd done a lot of service. Uh, to the organization, both MLS and some collectively over decades. Um, and now somebody suggested to me that she may not even be a lot to go back to her job, you know, that there may have been enough bruising um, and enough kind of new perspective gained by this whole whole experience that she, she may want to take her, her career in a different direction. So I, I don't actually think it's a given uh, that she's going to go right back to the way things were before. So I, I don't know, it's just an, another one of many sort of doubts and, and murky areas of this whole thing. I just want to say on record that if that is the case that she was put in, I respect the whole thing. You know me, I love, I love a good hustle. This is, <laughs> it's just genius political standings and movings and, and you know, oh man, I want to see envelopes under tables. I want to see the whole thing. I love the whole nine. I respect it. After, after, oh, well, okay. I mean, let's, uh, hopefully it doesn't go in that direction, uh, the U S <laughs> soccer, but how, how do you feel uh, after all of this, um, what do you think the, just the the general knowledge uh, for for the soccer fan? Do you feel like more people are informed? Do you think they're more well informed? Like, what do you think is the the what should we expect as fans uh, from U.S. soccer going forward? Yeah, so I've been. Uh, I think a lot of people are looking at this election as kind of something that's in the past now, um, and I really think it's actually the beginning in a lot of ways. Um, whatever you think about how this process unfolded and who eventually won, there's a, a level of consciousness across many levels uh, of the scene here in American soccer that have been awoke, awakened. And I don't see that necessarily changing anytime soon. I don't think we're going to have any more uh, uncontested elections like the ones that, that got Sunil into the position and kept him there for, for more than a decade. I think we're going to have a at some point in the next uh two years or thereabouts. Um, it's still not clear how they're going to fill the vice presidency uh, position that, um, that Cordero vacated. 
it could be it could take a year it could happen within the next year uh anyway you look at it though like there's going to be a vp election coming up the the next presidential race will be here before you know it and while i don't necessarily expect them to have eight candidates and all this uh, craziness uh, as this election had there will be opportunities for uh for people who who have problems with the current leadership or the current structure to speak out to support candidates to run themselves what have you so in that way it's kind of cool to consider that maybe maybe there's a new era now of, of uh, at least greater transparency, greater involvement, greater accountability. Um, you know, it's it's sort of it. I don't think anything. You know, this isn't like the nuclear button for U.S. soccer, and I think that's one of the things where American soccer, and I think that's why it's so positive. Um, you were talking about the different positions. One position that sprang up. Uh, in December, which a lot of fans are, are thinking that this is a way to sort of mute the power of the president just in case like a big reform uh, candidate did make it in um, is the uh, sort of the adaptation or the, the creation of a general manager. Uh, you know, vice president, we don't know, general manager. Uh, can you speak a little bit to that? Do you know anything about that? Is that something that um, is getting filled in the moment or will be filled via election? Yeah, well, it won't be an election. It'll it'll be a it's it's a full time job. Actually, it's two full time jobs. Uh, as far as I know, it's official or, or or practically official that there'll be a general manager on the men's side for the national teams and a general manager on the women's side. And I don't know if that'll eventually if it'll be actually be called a GM or a technical director uh, or or something along those lines. There will be someone who's kind of a big picture approach to be able to do, for example, what Jurgen Klinsmann was pretty good at. Um, but was unfortunately in kind of an add-on title uh, in addition to and, you know, alongside his men's national team coaching responsibilities. It was always uh, my biggest frustration maybe with the Klinsman era was this idea that he could or even could should try to do both of those jobs at the same time. Now it's, there's going to be someone whose who's job it is to take things forward. And this isn't a silver bullet because we've seen we've had youth technical directors um, and people like um, Tab Ramos, April Heinrichs, um, and others in, in similar positions before, maybe not quite as all-powerful or as overarching. Um, it, the, the position itself isn't a guarantee of success, but, and we're, we'll be looking very hard at who they hire for these jobs. I think Grant Wall is just reporting, um, as we're sitting here talking, that, that Garth Lagerway, the longtime MLS uh, GM, who's very respected, he's in Seattle now, and he built uh, Rail Salt Lake into what they were in their heyday a few years ago. He's a, a leading contender for this job, and so I think we may hear a couple other names like that bandied about uh, and so we'll see what happens there, but it's, it's certainly a good thing because these are, this is stuff that is going to be taken off, uh, either, either off the president's plate or maybe just out of the president's, um, radius a little bit to allow other people with more expertise and a more sort of broad based, um, uh, group of people maybe influencing like the actual technical decisions that most affect what we see on the field. Awesome. Well, I mean, I mean, Charles, I'll, I know you didn't plan to do this, but you know what? You made me feel a little bit better. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you thought this wasn't going to go that way, but you've you've actually tucked us all in, and now we can that'll have a pass, guys. That'll pass. Yeah. That'll pass. <laughs> and then the next article you put out is going to send us back into the fallout shelter. <laughs> where can people find you, and where can people follow your work? Uh, the, the best place to start is probably on Twitter at c b o e h m. Uh, what is that? Um, uh, Charlie. Bravo, Oscar, Echo, Hotel, Mike, um, and I'm, uh, most of my stuff gets uh, posted there, whatever outlet it's on. But I've got stuff coming up in the in the days and weeks ahead on full42.com. I'm sure I'll be doing lots of stuff on MLSsoccer.com, and of course once a week on USsoccerplayers.com, and, and check out SoccerWire.com as well.
Awesome, dude. Thank you so much. And next time you're in New York, we got to have you in the studio. Uh, fans, uh, that's it for us. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to Charles Bone for being on. Uh, don't forget to leave a five-star review. Don't forget to get yourself some yeah, Mike's Hot Honey. Yeah, we're trying to get to 100 reviews. We're, we're almost there. We're at like 82. We're getting some really positive reviews. Come on. So some people do it. You're listening. Give us those five stars. Thank you so much. <laughs> My name is Alexis Guerrero. My name is Christian Polanco. Together, what are we? The Cooligans!